Welcome to another episode of Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we got a good Morehouse brother, a legend in his own right, carrying his family name, and he is mayor of the illustrious city of Montgomery, Alabama, none other than Stephen Reed. How you feeling today, brother? Man, I'm doing well, Bakari. How you doing? Man, I ain't got no complaints, at least none you want to hear about. Look, <laughs> my show is kind of unique because we ask all our guests the same first question, which is, Walk us through the arc of your career. You know, your various career stops since finishing Morehouse and why you ultimately chose to, to run and become mayor of the city of Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah, man, look, uh, you know, when I, I went to Morehouse, I wanted to get as far away from Montgomery, Alabama uh, as I could, not necessarily physically, just mentally uh, and all of that, right? And so, you know, I went there to, to do business. I, I went there reading, you know, Black Enterprise and, thinking I was going to be this C-suite corporate exec, you know, one of the big companies and get my MBA and do all this fancy stuff. And, uh, you know, coming out of there, I you know, was on the right track, I guess, for a few years, working at American Airlines in their uh, marketing performance department as a financial analyst, doing big budgets, capital plans, all the stuff you're supposed to do, right? When you're a business administration major and, and you were one this. of them smart kids you were one of them smart kids in my house i see huh hey look you know i, I was i was okay now you you know we, we got the real real smart ones i i, I was at that b level uh range you know in, in between that and mixing up with your brother trey on on the football <laughs> field for the for the fighting maroon tigers and look we yes, gonna sir. get this first victory by the way uh <laughs> this year i promise we're gonna get this victory i pray we do because right now boy that football team look tragic uh, no, hey, look, it, it's tight right now. It's tight on my man, uh, Coach Wilter, uh, who was right out of school coaching us back in the day. But, you know, leaving uh, out of Morehouse to go to, you know, what was supposed to be a great job, you know, Fortune 100. You know, at Morehouse, it, it's either, you know, you go to Wall Street, you go to big law firms, you know, elite medical schools, law schools, all this stuff. You go to big boy companies and you're supposed to be the, the next brightest, smartest, you know, thing coming up. And man, you know, you, you buried down there in, in the cubicles doing 70 hour weeks crunching numbers. I was like, this isn't really for me, you know? And so uh, after about three or four years, about four years, I went and did management consulting and then 9-11 happened. And no sooner than I left, you know, Texas to come back to Atlanta, 9-11 happened. And guess what? You know, uh, last hire, first fire, you know, yep. 30% of the company is laid off and, I'm like, man, I just left a place where I could have maybe, you know, moved on up, but wanted the dollars and wanted the opportunity. And that kind of started making me think, well, maybe it's time to go back to school. So, you know, did business school at Vanderbilt. And while there, I started thinking more and more about entrepreneurship. Again, I credit uh, late great Earl Gray Sr. for um, all of the articles and things that they showed somebody like me coming from Montgomery, Alabama, who... I didn't have opportunities for inroads. Uh, I didn't have those type of opportunities here corporately. We knew about the movement and we knew about politics, but we didn't talk a lot about profit. Uh, we right. talked prayer more than yes. we did. We didn't talk. We, we talked civil. We talked civil rights, not necessarily silver rights. To steal a line from from my good friend, uh, Mister uh, Hope. Let me ask you this question while I yeah. got you talk about Morehouse a little bit. Uh, and I ask every Morehouse man that comes on the show this one question though. How did your time in Morehouse help shape who you become? Oh man, it's 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 uh it's vital. I mean, I put it in, in, in the book first best. Um, just you know, how we uh came together in that environment around brothers from so many parts of the country and the world. And I said it, it is his own brotherhood, bigger than even a frat, 
It is a spiritual brotherhood and connection that just spans, you know, just, you know, generations and so forth. And, and those ties that bind, you know, are, are certainly uh, still there. And I think for, for me, it was a spiritual awakening. I think it's kind of how Fagan Harris and myself write it in the book is that's where I wanted to be. That's where I needed to be coming out of public schools here in Montgomery um, and then coming into that space in Atlanta at that time, you know, before the Olympics. Atlanta was obviously on a great trajectory already. Freaknik, Freaknik, look, look, Freaknik peaked while, while you know, under under uh, our time there in '93 and '94. So whether you're Andre Dickens uh, or you're <laughs> oh, you go, you go drive the bus over all the mayors, huh? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> look, that Hulu, that Hulu documentary gonna have you and Andre in it. <laughs> I'm glad you know I had a big camcorder sitting <laughs> on my shoulder, and I hope that camcorder didn't see me over there. So no, it was great academically, culturally, uh, and and you know it really just made a profound impact. And and I would say beyond my parents, uh, you know, has helped mold me into the person I am as much today, along with with my family now. Certainly being married with with kids as well. But Morehouse at that time, outside of my parents, you know, really shaped me and molded me to you know I had to be the type of person that that I was and, and still am and growing and aspire to be. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Look, congratulations on your re-election. Congratulations on the book. We'll, we'll get to that book in a second, which is the reason Thank you're here. But what did you learn about yourself and about leadership during your first term? And how are you going to approach your second term with what really is a mandate? You got 57% of the vote. Yeah, you know, I, I think for, for us, one, I learned that there's got to be more uh, collaboration, um, you know, to be built. Um, trust is kind of hard in particular for a year and a half when we were kind of out of pocket with COVID uh, and dealing with that. But I also realized change is hard, and, and I probably should have started there. Change is hard. Now, you know, people don't mind symbolic change, right? So symbolically, uh, change here has been, you know, well-received. Systemically and, and substantively, a lot harder to do. So, you know, hopefully in the second term, we're not able to build better collaboration, but we're better, we're, we're able to push for more substantive change. And for people that, you know, read the book or, or have heard me talk before or whatever, 
you know, I'm not really into all, all just the, the symbolism. I, I realize it matters, it's inspirational, it, it hits us psychologically in a certain way, but at the end of it, you know, what people want to see who rarely vote, sometimes vote, or don't vote at all is what you going to do now? All That's right. right. Well, what you going to get done? And so my goal is to deliver tangible, uh, you know, policies and initiatives that people can see, feel, hear, see, and touch uh, that start to make them understand that we are really into a new Montgomery, into a new mindset, you know, for the city. And one that Fishmarks, what you shared in, in, in your book and what you shared in, in your career uh, and continue to do about what we're trying to do in the South and beyond. Let's talk about that book. First Best Lessons in Leadership and Legacy from Today's Civil Rights Movement. Dope, dope title. First, unpack that title for me. Why'd you pick that title? You know, I picked it uh, because, you know, it, you know, going through the publishers, I thought some of the other ones, you know, didn't quite resonate with me. And I said, well, if it doesn't resonate with me, I don't know if I can push it. I said, you know, for me, I want us to talk about not only being the first black mayor of Montgomery, Alabama, there are a lot of firsts and important firsts. But I said, you know, this isn't 1968, 1972, you know, right after the civil rights. And I said, one would ask, why did it take so long in Montgomery? I mean, you had Richard Arrington in 1979 in Birmingham. What took Montgomery so long? There are a whole lot of reasons why. And I oh, yeah, we know some of those. But, you know, the big thing that I try to talk about is we have to be the best. And I think our generation has to be the best because we were able to learn from people like my father, folks like your father, that movement, those leaders who at young ages changed the world without Black elected officials, without technology, without any of the instruments we have now through sheer force and will. Yep. And I think to myself, like, man, could I have really, you know, done what, what, what my folks were doing back in the day? I like to think that I could. But I'm like, for us, you know, having those trails blaze and clear for us, now it's time for us to be the best and not just the first. And so I try to share some of the lessons uh, that I've taken from my dad and those in his generation. But also I try to share what the next generation, the Gen Zs and millennials, what they can take right now because they're leading, they are influencing things. Doing all, I mean, they, they, they have the they have the whole world at their fingertips. What are the top line issues for today's civil rights movement, and what role do black mayors play in today's civil rights movement? I think the top line issue is still criminal justice reform. I don't think enough has been done uh, post George Floyd. You know, we, we think about this uh, last decade or so and the trauma that so many people have witnessed uh, from the rise of Black Lives Matter movement after uh, the killing of Michael Brown all the way through uh, to where we are now in this in this economy, in this post-Trump world, of how we deal with these pushbacks uh, and these setbacks that we're seeing from, again, things that we thought were good and kind of set up for the rest of our lives. At least some of us did, and I probably was one of them. And so to see some of the progress, you know, deliberately roll back, I think that's a top-line issue for not only the next generation, but our generation as well. And the role I think black mayors can play as CEOs, when you consider that the four largest cities in this country uh, are headed by black mayors, uh, that's never happened at one time. So there are big platforms that we have to be able to drive the narrative, but also to change outcomes. And then for those of us, you know, that are in mid-sized cities across the country, it's how do we adapt, again, the lessons from yesterday and those legendary mayors from Harold Washington, Amanda Jackson, Mary Barry, Tom Bradley, go down the list. 
uh, of all the ones that we have. And how do we kind of take, you know, the, you know, kind of take that MP3 player that we had and put it in an iPhone world? So how do we utilize that and translate it for educational outcomes, quality of life, and certainly economic uh, empowerment for our folks who are still looking uh, for a smoother path, you know, for economic and financial stability? I asked Cicely Tyson this, I asked Jada Pinkett this, and now I'm going to ask oh, Stephen wow. Green this. Wait a like, minute, I'm not in, wait, I'm not in their company, so, so I'm just, I, I don't know what's coming next, but I, I just I ought to be, be in the no. same city. I asked, I asked uh, Cicely Tyson, I said, why did you, that was the last interview before she passed, I said, why did you choose to write this book now? And she mm -hmm. said, because I have something to say. And so, right. but my question for you is, why did you choose this moment to write this book? Because I think your book is not only well written, but it's timely. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, I, I wrote it because um, I thought there was something I could share from my experiences, both successes and failures, both on the wins and the, the lessons, not losses. So, you know, I thought that I wanted to let not only my peers know, but certainly, again, that generation coming behind us, we're trying to be a bridge uh, that everything isn't a straight line. Everything isn't just straight up. I talk about uh, being let go as a consultant. I talk about uh, having to repeat a class at, at Morehouse. I talk about being suspended from school uh, in high school and, and junior high for fighting and things along those lines. I want to show those imperfections because I think sometimes we sanitize success so much that we make it hard for people to think that they can achieve it. And I tell you know a lot of my young professionals here in, in Montgomery, I'm like, I didn't start off at the end of the table. You know, I started out outside the door, passing out the agenda, you know, and I said, so th there's a process. And I think there are things that they can take away from my story and implement and really maximize that will help them not only be better leaders, but better people overall. That's powerful right there. I hope a lot of people are listening to that. Who's your audience for the book? When I wrote, when I wrote My Vanishing Country, I said, I'm really writing this book for Black women. Uh, it did well. And I think more people, it was a broader audience than that narrow target but who is your audience for the book and what do you want them to take away from it yeah no thank you i i think you know one the, the audience uh are people with kids be that young boys young girls young men young women so parents uncles aunts brothers sisters everybody because it talks about taking those lessons that that my father grew up in segregated alabama uh was a student activist at alabama state uh, at a very, very young age, the lessons he learned and imparted to us and what I then am trying to impart by virtue of my friends and our collective to the next generation. And so it's geared towards uh, those folks that have a young person in their lives or in their uh, circle somewhere to be able to say, hey, here's the first black man in Montgomery, Alabama, but look at what he dealt with. Now he was born blessed and there's no question uh, about that. My mom and, and dad are still alive, still active, all those things. But the pearls of wisdom that they shared with, with me, I didn't always appreciate uh, in the moment. I don't even know if I appreciate them uh, really until I got to, you know, my mid to late 20s. That's and so right. The, the effort is to share with those folks, hey, here's some things that maybe this next generation can take away. And for those that are of our generation, I want them to know, here's some things we can still learn from our elders. And I think there's still enough around in our various communities for all of us, regardless if you're in politics or public service, regardless of what you're in, that we can take away to help change uh, our community for the better.
This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. You know, you're doing a lot of teaching and preaching in your book. Good stuff we need to read. But answer this question for me. How did writing this book change you? Man, that that's a, a real good one. I think it made me kind of take a look at, at myself. Uh, you know, probably I had to do a, a closer psychological uh, examination of, of who uh, I thought I was and who I think I want to be still as I continue to grow. And, you know, it made me, you know, be honest about some situations uh, and my efforts. And I think it helped me kind of narrow the focus. All right, Steve, you know, what do you really want to get out of your service? What type of impact do you really want to make? And how do you really want to change things? So I didn't recognize, and, and my co-author Fagan Harris helped me uh, see a lot of this, you know, those things that were in me, you know, being a contrarian, you know, kind of want to prove myself in, in certain spaces, um, but also wanting to make sure that I did, you know, utilize the blessings that I had to be around Mrs. Coretta Scott King, to be around uh, Reverend Dr. Joseph Lowry, to be around so many uh, folks, Mrs. Rosa Parks, all these people who would come to Montgomery and, you know, Hank Aaron and folks who would come by the house and stuff like that yeah. and share what they share with us. And uh -huh. it kind of, you know, it, it helped me kind of identify, all right, Steve, you had this opportunity. Now, again, what are you going to do with it? And I think it kind of helped me narrow that focus about how I want to help people and how I want to better uh, serve our community and the nation abroad. You know, you're so dope because we kind of have a similar upbringing and that yeah. we're part of that village to raise a child. Two questions for you. I'm going to get you out of here. Most important question. How can people buy your book and when will it be available? The book is available now so they can buy it. Uh, any of the major uh, online retailers, whether that's Amazon, Target, Books A Million, um, all of the Barnes and Nobles, all of those, Walmart. And certainly you can go to your independent bookstores. And we want to come to those Black-owned bookstores and those independent bookstores uh, that may be in your community for uh, a book signing. So I know you've got a wide following and we want to come you know, as far across the country as we can to not only talk about my story and some of the, the lessons that I learned uh, for today's civil rights movement, but how we can move the needle forward uh, and how I see things as a mayor talking to other mayors around this country and what really we want to do to help improve 
our community. So I hope I get the opportunity to see a lot of your listeners uh, in person, uh, in their communities, and talk about the progress we've made in Montgomery and in Alabama, but yet the steps that we have yet to make uh, across this country as well. So last question for you. This congressional seat opening up that I think comes right over Montgomery, Alabama. What's the future hold for Mayor Stephen Reed? You running for Congress? Man, you know what? It, it, it's it's a lot of prayer. It, it's a lot of deliberation. And uh, certainly, you know, a lot of discussions uh, that we're having about, you know, where can we make the, the uh, best impact? You know, right. how can we do it? Um, should we uh, get in this race to, to represent the second congressional district uh, here in Alabama? And most importantly, how can you help, you know, where can you help people the most and where can your agenda be best implemented? Is that, you know, as a mayor of a capital city, of a historic city like Montgomery, or is that going to the halls of Congress and taking it to a broader scale uh, and scope and trying to implement it there for even more people? So we're still in that uh, deliberation process and we're going to be praying about it and talking with folks like yourself who are uh, well known and well versed uh, in terms of how this system works and how we can best help our communities across the board. You're dope, Mayor Stephen Reed. His new book is out now. Make sure you go cop that book, pick it up. It is first best lessons in leadership and legacy from today's civil rights movement. I love you, brother. Peace. Whatever you do, I'm with you. Hey, thanks, bro. You always have been. And we appreciate it. Grateful for it. It's going to be a